This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Does anybody need a sermon outline? If you didn't get a sermon outline, hold up your hand and the ushers put a sermon outline in your hand. I wish I could be here at Harvest Fest. I couldn't sign my hand up. I get I got invited to speak at a speak at a missions conference this year, and man, I praise God for that open door. Get to speak to all those preachers. I sure want to be here, but I know that you're going to have good stuff on Facebook, and we'll get to see it. Lots of people are going to be blessed, and we're going to have a hundred percent of the congregation that's doing something. They're working, aren't we? Amen. A hundred percent of everybody's going to be doing something there, and all these people are going to get blessed. You know, it just amazes me. To see 5,000 people show up on this property for one night. That's a pretty big deal. But most, most of them are people that are out here to do Halloweens and gooblins and goblins, that kind of stuff like that. But they come here and we have fun for Jesus and get them blessed. Amen. And it's all possible because of all you, the good workers, the ones that's out there doing what they want to do. And we could even let Assistant Warden work if you want to. <laughs> Philip, good to see you. Amen. I tell you what, it's 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 so nice to be in the house of God again, isn't it? Amen. How many appreciate Mrs. Pastor? Well, I tell you what, she get there to step on your toes and say some things you need to hear to help you, but that stuff's very real. And I'm so grateful that our church is able to support, support people like Pacific Justice. That if you were challenged because your kid uh, said a prayer in school, he'll defend you all the way to Supreme Court for free. If you get in trouble on your job because you prayed over your meal or because you shared the gospel with somebody you work with, that organization will defend your family, <clears throat> defend you for free, all the way to the Supreme Court. I think that's pretty awesome, pretty amazing that we have something like that available. And we as Christians need to know those things are out there. And we need to be a part of praying for people like that and supporting them because I know there's been too many times, even in Barstow, where Christian students have been challenged, or homeschoolers have been challenged, and you got somebody that knows the law, knows how to, to argue the law with the anointing of God on their life to be able to get the job done. That is awesome. Praise God for Pacific Justice. All right. In your outline, you notice that the title is God's Rewards for Faithful People. God rewards faithful people. And I want to show you a couple of things out of the bookstore before we get into that, because we have some awesome resources back there. This is called Godliness is Profitable. Godliness is Profitable with Brother Hagin. And, and Brother Hagin used to say, had this thing he said all the time about, about God, God, God has paydays. And you know, sometimes in life it looks like things aren't working right, it looks like things aren't coming around, but Brother Hagin always said, and this is, this is out of the Bible, God is a profitable, that's a verse in Timothy. He always said that God always settles up. You know, your payday may not be Friday. It may not even be this month, but payday's coming. You keep on living right, you keep on doing right, and you're going to come out on top. So you live godly, live a good Christian life. And then here's a good book by Brother Copeland. It's his devotional from faith to faith. From faith to faith. That's bite-sized nuggets of faith that you can feed on every morning. Start your day off, read the Word of God, and then have a something from Kenneth or Gloria Copeland explaining to you what you read. Because all they've got is victory sermons. They don't have any negative. They don't have any losing. They've been through a lot of things in life, but they come out on top because of the Word of God. But I, I, I really appreciate good devotionals 
that teach faith. And these will really help you in your Christian life because God wants you to be rewarded for your faith. Amen. Say this. Say, God loves me. He sent Jesus so I could live a good life and then go to heaven when I die. Amen, amen, amen. Look at your neighbor. Give him a high five. Give your neighbor a high five and say you're a winner because Jesus Christ lives big in you. Amen. Well, today we're, we're kind of going to kick off the same verse, Hebrews eleven six that I used last Sunday when I was talking about, about prayer. Uh, faith's the key to answer prayer. But Hebrews eleven six. every day for the last, I'd say at least a couple months, every day when I get up in the morning time to read my Bible, I just keep getting drawn to Hebrews eleven six. I've known this verse for 40 years. I've taught on it probably thousands of times. I've just, man, this verse has been, has been my life, but the Lord really has that on my heart in my own personal life to major on that. And I want to share a few things that I'm seeing out of Hebrews 11.6 to help you. Hebrews 11.6 says this, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that live a carnal Christian life and never really care about church or anything else. Of them, of them that casually visit churches sometimes and their favorite prayer is, Oh God, help me. I won't do this again. Get me out of this, God. I'll serve you. Hey Amen. I was, I, was I was talking to somebody yesterday uh, at a place I do business at. And we've got to talk about some things. I said, you know what? A lot of Christians I know, that's the only prayer they know. Is, oh God, help. Get me through this one. I promise I'll do this. And it usually lasts about a month. And then they get to it. Oh God, help. Get me out of this. But he said that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's a rewarder that diligently seek him. And I, I just want to <clears throat> quickly mention three points that I... Uh, that I shared last week. Number one, he says, but without faith is impossible to please him. And so I made this statement last week. Faith is one of the major doctrines, major themes of the entire Bible. And God said faith is the number one ingredient to pleasing him. And so it behooves us to be people that study the Bible about faith, that learn about faith, but then not just learn about it, but to practice faith in our everyday life. And so there's so much we say about that. But he says, faith is what pleases God. And so that's, that's a major doctrine of the Bible. Then number two says, he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And so I said this last week, for prayer to get answered, you must believe that God is real and he's really listening to you. That God's real and he's really listening to you. And you know, when I think about that, you know, I don't know, the older, the older I get, the older I get, the Lord is a Christian. Sometimes when I'm praying, I see things and think about things I didn't used to. When I'm praying sometimes, I'll stop and think. Somebody over the middle of Iraq, or Iran, or somebody in the middle of China, right now, will be praying to the same God. And he's listening to them while he's listening to me. And then I think about all of you, and all the different people I know, and all the multitudes and billions of people in the world, I stop to think, he's that awesome that Jesus 
knows the number of every hair on their head, on my head. He knows what they're praying about. He can answer their prayers as he answers my prayer. He's that awesome. And you know, sometimes I think about people that don't really know God, but they know about God. You know, that to me, that's my definition of religion. Religion is all about God, but without God. Just talk about him, don't really know him. And they'll try to tell you how to live based upon what they think he ought to be. Well, you know what I think? I really don't care what you think. What's the Bible say? What the Bible says is what I want to know. Now, if you tell me about some verses you see, what you saw in those verses there, I think, glory to God, that's good. I really like that. I never saw it from that perspective. I never saw it from that angle. That's the Bible that says that. And, you know, God can get so much out of one verse because he's God and he wrote it that you can't see something I didn't see. I see something you didn't see. So it's not a matter of what your carnal mind thinks. It's a matter of what the Spirit of God says is in that verse. But I, I think about that. And I think about the Lord is so awesome. He knows everything going on in your life. And so he says that must believe that he is. You come, God must believe that he is. Why even pray if you don't think he's listening? Well, who are you praying to? And you know, one of of my favorites is in the Facebook. In the Facebook. Send them prayers to you, hon. I say, don't send them to me. Send them to the Father in the name of Jesus. He's the one who answers prayers. I can't answer my own prayer. You send it to me. I don't answer prayers. He does. And so Christians have to know when you're praying for people, you send them to the Father in the name of Jesus. And then he sends answers, hon. <laughs> Amen. And so must believe that he is. And so... We really emphasized last week that if you're praying, then start acting like he's listening. Amen. We're talking, we're talking about faith and how faith works. And then he says, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so I asked you this question last week. In your heart, in your heart of hearts, not in your head, do you really believe and expect your heavenly father to answer your prayer? Do you really believe him to answer your prayer and also to do supernaturally, abundantly, above all you can ask or think, to do impossible things in your time of need? You know, I, th- I think about, I think about uh, what Psalm says. says. says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I heard a man say one thing, and the cars on a thousand car lots. And the houses. God can do far more than what you can do and take care of your housing situation. God can do far more than what you can do in your transportation situation, in your job situation. You know, I see so many people in this church that have great jobs that a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, they didn't have a good job. But they got a hold of God and the principles of tithing. And walking in love. And walking in faith. And they prayed. And they expected him to answer in a bigger way than they can do. If you can do it yourself, what do you need to pray about? You know? Amen. We praise him. We worship him. We fellowship with him. But when it comes to our life, he wants to do far more than we could ever dream about. And so he's a rewarder of them. And so do you really expect him to answer your prayer? 
Do you really expect God to get you that job? You really expect Him to get you that car? You really expect Him to take care of this family relationship that's not going well? You know, what do you expect out of Him? And so that's what He says that faith, the God kind of faith gets a hold of Him and gets answers from Him when you see what's in these verses. So this week, I want to zero on, zero in on God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. He's rewarded them that diligently seek Him. And something I add this morning, it's not in the outline that, that, that we're going to be looking at. We're going to look at Mark 10, 29 and 30 in just a minute. If you want to ten, turn to Mark 10, 29 and 30. And then I'm going to tell you something about this verse. Talk about God being the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Years ago, when Mrs. Pastor and I were young in the ministry back in Indiana, we were young pastors. And we're still young pastors. We're just not as young as we used to be when we were young pastors. But when we were young pastors, the Lord in prayer one day said this to me. Now, get a hold of this. We're going to see this in the Word considering our lives. He said this to me. He said, I want to bless you and use your family to demonstrate that it pays to serve me and it's not a curse. That's back in our poor days when we didn't have much of anything. You know, we were like the people... That when King David came at Doolam, we were busted, disgusted, couldn't be trusted. You know, well, we could be trusted, but yeah, yeah, God trusted us. Yeah, I'm sure he did. But no, we didn't, we didn't have anything. And in a prayer closet, when you got a bunch of kids and not a lot of money, and you're preaching faith for Jesus to say, I want to bless you, and I want to use your family to demonstrate. That it pays to serve me and it's not a curse. And why did I say that? Because so many times it looked like we were missing out on so many natural things people had because we put God first and walked away from so many things to put Him first. We gave our life to the ministry. We gave our life to serving people. I walked away from a big fat teamster's pension right in the middle of a great teamster's career, making lots of money, a lot more money than a lot of people I knew. I walked away from it to serve God in the full-time ministry. And so a lot of people I saw as Christians when it come to serving God, I heard this so many times. Oh, I can't afford it. You can't afford to be blessed? Oh, I can't afford it. I need the overtime. I wonder how come? Because I pay it from my boat. Well, back in Indiana, they're paying for the boat. They didn't have sand. They had water. <laughs> Now they're, I guess that'd be, I pay for my four wheeler. And I gotta have a bigger four wheeler. Gotta have a better four wheeler. And so, you know, Jesus said that when you turn, serve things, things become your God. How is that? Jesus said he wants to be Lord, he wants to be master. Well, if he's your Lord, he wants to have some say so in your life. He wants to tell you where to go. He wants to tell you who to marry. He wants to tell you where to go to church. He'd like to have some say so the kind of car, car you buy, etc., etc. And so, when you yield your life to the Lord, the Lord becomes your master, tells you what to do. And you know, that's why I can't stand the name MasterCard. I remember when that thing came out years ago. I thought, man, that thing took my breath away. I thought, MasterCard? And then now we even see the commercials on TV. They show you all these different things in life, and they don't say, and for everything, there's Jesus. They say, for 
Everything, there's MasterCard. MasterCard tells you, if you don't pay me, I'm going to take your car. If you don't pay me, I'm going to take your stuff. If you don't pay me, and so then MasterCard says, you can't go to church Sunday. you got to work so you can pay me. You can't go work at Harvest Fest. you got to work so you can pay me. It became your master. And so I'm saying, I'm saying this in life. That's a curse. If some stupid little piece of plastic tells you if you go to church or not. That's a curse. If some stupid little plastic tells you you can spend $100 for a $5 toy. And by the time you pay all the interest and the late fees and stuff like that, your, your, your temporary, your temporary pleasure for that thing you bought it have costed you a hundred times more than what it should have cost you. And then by the, then by the time you're still paying for it, you forget what it was because it broke ten years ago, but you're still paying for it. Amen. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm just telling you a little bit why, why, why Jesus make that statement to me. He said it pays to serve me. It's not a curse. That's a curse. When money becomes your God and things become your God to tell you how to live and what to do. And so Mark 10, 29 and 30 says this. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there's no man or woman that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's. There's a qualification there. Lots of people left their wife. Lots of people have abandoned their children. Lots of people have turned on their parents. and gave up a lot of things, but Jesus said, you do that for my sake in the Gospels, says he shall receive. Does your Bible say that? I'll receive what? A hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children, and lands. It doesn't say wives. All those days of multiple wives is over with. One wife, amen? Wives uh, and, and lands with persecutions and the world to come, eternal life. In the world to come, eternal life. Put that picture up on the screen now that I gave you, Jose. I want you to see that right there. See that scripture on the bottom of that sign right there? Can you see the Mark 10, 29, and 30 on there? Mrs. Pastor put down the sign for our, for our property we got. Back to the, back from the days when we were poor and renting ghetto houses, we lived in one house actually. We first got married, we called it the snake house. Reason it was a snake house is a really, really, really poor trash house we had to rent because we didn't have any other money. The basement had about a foot or two of water in it because it flooded all the time. And there's snakes swimming in the water. And I guess I was a faith man or stupid. We had a fuse box in the middle of it. and had blue fuses all the time. I had to walk down through the water of the snakes to do fuses so we could have lights. I think, man, how did I do that? And then when I cut grass with my lawnmower, while I cut grass, snakes flew everywhere. That place was infested with snakes. I cut grass, and when I cut grass, I cut snakes up. That's where we were almost 40 years ago. Now, this place here, we got blessed with. She calls it a farm. I call it a ranch. So I call it the farm ranch now. I changed it, I changed it this morning. 
Anyway, at our, at our, at our, at our place we have is 10 acres, fenced in, almost paid for. We bought last year. We're in the middle of processing, harvesting pistachios right now. We have a pistachio orchard. We have a two and a half acre lake full of lots of fish, lots of good stuff. Wonderful, beautiful place from the snake house to this place. But in between A and Z, we had to leave our place in Indiana. We had to leave our family, our loved ones, and came to California, knowing nobody in California. Now out here, I've got lots of mothers. Lots of my mothers in heaven, but lots of you mothers mother me all the time. I have lots of sisters out here. I have lots of brothers out here. I have lots of spiritual children out here. I have lots of houses and places out here. I go if I need a place to stay or what to do. I have been blessed. I don't know if it's a hundredfold or not. i tell you one thing, from snake house to where I am, it's a whole lot better. I've seen a few rattlesnakes out there, and I've helped little rattlesnakes move into wherever rattlesnakes go when they lose their head for shotgun. I've helped a few of them. And so I don't have to cut them with a lawnmower anymore. Got a shotgun now. But what I'm saying is this. It pays to serve God. It pays to serve God. We had lots of time of discomfort. Not driving the cars we wanted to drive. Not living in the house we wanted to live in. Not having the clothes that we want, our kids wanted, etc., etc. But those things, like I told you, I go for a season. They happened for a season because we knew it was always put God first because He's a rewarder. God's a rewarder. God's a rewarder. I want to say it again. God's a rewarder. God's a rewarder. That's Hebrews eleven six. That God's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Harvest fest, serving God at harvest fest. Laid your life down to do things like that. We've always done that our whole life. We've done things we didn't want to do, but now we're doing what we really want to do. Amen. And so I'm telling you for your life, you know, talking about the Copelands a while ago, they said something years ago, and so I stuck with me, and I found it to be true. Anything you compromise to keep, you'll lose. You compromise your Christianity, your church attendance, the other things in life, to make more, to get more, to impress more people. And I like what Dave Ramsey says, Financial Peace University, about buying all these big fancy cars on credit and stuff. Said, said most people buy those cars to impress somebody that doesn't really like them. They don't really like them either. They buy a car to impress somebody that nobody likes each other. And then, after you impress them, they get a nicer one, so you get a nicer one. You get a bigger payment, et cetera, et cetera. And you end up going broke over the whole thing because you're trying to impress people and not God. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. No, I'm telling you this. God's the rewarder, not the loan company. Amen. Go ahead and clap. Amen. You know, we're looking at this verse here today. God wants you to get the revelation. That place I'm showing you right there, I don't brag on anything. But when I was praying on this sermon this morning, the Lord just flashed my life in front of me where we live now to where we used to live. And so I'm telling some of you right now, if you're not living in the best right now, if your life's not really all nice and shiny on the outside like you want it to be, 
Yet, keep shining on the inside. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good laziness. Oh, he said works. That they'll see your good works and glorify my Father in heaven. I'm so grateful as we left Indiana years ago. And when I left, it wasn't an easy leave. My mom and dad were both at a nursery home dying. And so to say goodbye to your dad and mom and move 2,000 miles away to some place that you always heard about. What, what's the nice way to say it? All I ever heard about California was the sexual lifestyle of people in California at earthquakes. And so, and so I thought, why do I want to leave Indiana, the Bible Belt, and go out there to all that kind of stuff? You know why? Because God said that's a mission field and I want you to go. So we came out of, what? Well, we left two children too. Left a 15 year old and a beautiful little 17 year old. It's not 17 anymore. But we had to leave some kids behind too. Being well taken care of. Big brother had you. And it was doing good. But the thing was, I'm telling you, it wasn't, how can I say this? It really wasn't a hard choice. We followed Jesus all the days of our life. And so it was hard on the outside. But on the inside, we knew we had to follow God's plan. So we got, followed God's plan. Our children are well taken care of. Now they, they've all got children. They're well taken care of. My family isn't sick in the hospital and dead. None of them's in prison. None of them's in jail. My family's serving God. And he's the rewarder. You know, I want to make sure you get this. Because I'm talking to you today. God wants you to listen. God's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That word diligent means busy. Being not a busy body. Busy for God. Serving God. Living for God. Being serious about God. That God will turn your family around. God will turn your finances around. Whatever it is in life that you need the blessing of God on, God said... He's a rewarder. And you know, I just want to get that through to you. God wants to reward you in life. You know, I, I think about this and people get mixed up. You never get your prayers answered because how good you are or what you do. Every prayer you ever get answered is answered because you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And I'll tell you something else too. There's some things that are covenant rights you can't earn. Divine healing and health. You don't earn that by good works. That belongs to you as a believer by faith because the Word of God says He took your infirmities and bare your sicknesses. By your stripes, by His stripes, you were healed. There's lots of things in the Bible that you come to God and say, you know what, Lord, I worked at Harvest Fest, so you have to heal me. You'll never get it that way. Harvest Fest working has nothing to do with receiving covenant benefits. But Harvest Fest working is serving God opens up the door for all these blessings in life to come on you that God wants you to have anyway. Amen. Are you getting the picture of what I'm saying? You know, I just want to make sure that you don't get twisted thinking, thinking the things that belong to you like healing and health. And those things happen because of how good you are. You're never good enough. It's how good Jesus is and what he did. You always come to him in the name of Jesus. And then we don't do good works to get blessed, we do good works because we are blessed. Amen. 
Amen. We don't seek, we don't seek the blessings. We seek the blesser. As we seek Him, His plan, His will, His purpose for our life, and I'll tell you one thing has become so real to me. You know, I, I guess I say expression a lot. Rick, sometimes you're, you keep on, you recognize you keep on saying the same things over and over again, but the older I get, the more I realize some things. James 1.22 is a verse that all believers should know. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. I've, I've said a lot of things this morning, but none of them will do anything for you unless you change what you're doing and start doing some of the things we're going to see in the Bible. When you do what the Bible says, then it says the blessings come. If you If you... Hear what the Bible says and never do it. The James 4, 7 says, James 1, 22 says that you're living a self-deception. I've seen so many Christians sit in churches like this. They hear about a lot of good things in the Bible that belongs to them. A lot of blessings belong to them. But they're only half-heartedly serving God or maybe just on occasion serving God. And then when things don't happen, they've heard about faith. And they say, I rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus but holding this back. And God says, you're rebuking the wrong one. Look at that person in the mirror. That's what you need to rebuke because you're not doing the word. It's called self-deception. Said, said, said you deceive yourself if you don't do what you're hearing. You know, I see Christians come up here to their prayer line that don't tithe. And they say, pray for me. The windows of heaven supposed to be open. And, you know, it, it's real easy when you're a pastor after God's heart that wants to help people. We're not nosy. We want to help. So every time somebody's up here about finances, unless I really personally know them well, I'll say, do you give God 10%? Are you a tither? And if they say, if they're really honest and they're not, they'll say, Pastor, no, I'm not. I want to be. I'm trying to get there. I say, okay, good. I know how to pray. I'll pray for mercy. I pray for mercy for you because you're not walking in your covenant. And somebody says, well, Pastor, yes, I'm a tither. I say, good. That's easy to pray for you. God said he rebukes the devourer for you. God said he opens the windows of heaven for you. And so there's two different ways to pray. But let me tell you a wrong thing to do. If you're ever talking to a man of God, there's people about him, Ananias and Sapphira. They lied, they lied to the man of God about money and they died in church. But anyway, if a man of God ever asks you something like that so he can pray for you, are you a tither? Don't lie. Because when we ask you something like that, it's not to judge you or criticize you. It's to locate you where you are in your faith walk so we can pray for you effectively because I can't ask God to rebuke the devourer for you if you're not tithing to him. Amen. But I can pray for mercy for you. And God God has mercy. There's different ways to pray. Can you see what I'm saying? And so God's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so for our place there, we got blessed. And I want to say it again. I'm not at all bragging on me or my wife. I've testified to the goodness of God, to the faithfulness of God, that God honors his word. God honors his promises. God said, any man that has left house or brother or sisters, etc., for my sake, the gospels, he said, I'll give you now this lifetime, houses, and all these things, and the world to come, eternal life. Give the Lord praise for what he's doing. Amen. And so look at Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. And get a hold of what the Spirit of God 
is what to get into your heart and into your thinking today. You know, I, I just want to tell you, nobody in here is a loser. You're not a loser. That's a lie from the devil. You are born again by the blood of Jesus. Jesus Christ died for your sins. Jesus Christ took the punishment and the curse for all your wrongdoing, the things you've done, and Jesus Christ has given you His nature. His nature is not the nature of a loser. His nature is to win. His nature is to overcome. Whatever it is that's going on in your life right now that's not right, you've got the answer on the inside of you. His name's Jesus. And so as I say that, I'm saying that to get a hold of this, your mind has got to be changed to thinking, God loves me. He wants to bless me. God wants to reward me. God wants me to have a better life. God wants me to have better things. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek God first and all these things shall be added unto you. Education for your kids is a thing. Amen. Cars, bicycles, and leisure things are things. God wants you to have good things, but he wants no thing to have you. What's that again? Some people don't get that. God does not mind us having good things. He doesn't want good things to have us and tell us we can't serve Him. Amen. Genesis 15.1 And this chapter is one of the most important chapters in the entire Old Testament. This is the beginning of the Abrahamic Covenant. And I'm going to show you why that pertains to you. I know that... Uh, Sometimes in churches, people get off teaching so deep on covenant that nobody can catch on what's going on. But I'm just going to real simply show you a couple of things why this applies to you. But it says this, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. The Amplified Bible says, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield and your abundant compensation and your reward shall be exceedingly great. Now, do you remember in Hebrews eleven six, he is a rewarder? Well, here he told Abram, first time he used that word, the Bible, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, he said, I'm your reward. Well, studying the Bible, there's some different biblical laws of interpretation. And one of, them, one of the key, key, key was this, the law of first mention. The law of first mention. In the book of Genesis, that's the beginning. That's the beginning of everything God had to say to the human race. The first time a word's used in the book of Genesis, that definition, that flavor, carries all the way through the whole word of God. And so God, in this covenant, with this covenant man, Abram, he said, I am your reward. He said, I compensate you for living right. He said, I reward you for living right. And when you read the life of Abraham in the chapter before this, the chapter before this, starting back in chapter 12, it says that Abraham was called by God to pack up his family and leave his home and go to the land I'll show you of. So he said, leave your father and go to the land. And so then in Mark chapter 10, that's what Jesus said too. 
He said, when you leave where you are to follow the plan of God, I'll bless you. And so Abraham, i, I got to write, see what I, how I put this in the notes here to make sure I stick with the, what I told you. And so Abraham, Abraham, uh, God made his covenant with Abraham because Abraham committed his life and all his material possessions to following God's plan for his life. Abraham, leading up to when God told him, I'm your reward, your compensation, Abraham had packed up everything and everybody, and he left to follow the plan of God. And so God said that when you sell out, he said, I'm your compensation. I'm your health care. I'm your retirement. I pay for your vacations. I take care of your needs. Hey, Amen. Can you see what I'm saying? I want you to get this, that God's the rewarder. And in Genesis 14, as I started this passage coming to this, I want you to notice in Genesis 14, 20, if you got your Bible, look at this. It says, and Abraham gave God tithes of all. That's the first time tithe is mentioned in the Bible. Abraham was a tither, the first tither. He gave tithes to God, and then God said, I'm your rewarder. He said, I'm your compensator. I will take care of it. And so, you're probably thinking then, what does this have to do with me in the high desert thousands of years since God said to Abraham, I'm your abundant compensation and your reward. And you'll be exceedingly great. I want you to go to the New Testament to Galatians chapter 3. I want to tie these things together because from Hebrews 11, God wants you to receive the revelation in your heart and to change your thinking that God wants you blessed. God wants you rewarded. You know, you look at yourself too much from the outside and you don't look at yourself through the eyes of the Word. You know, I think about, I think about, uh, you know, the Bible calls, calls the world and Satan darkness and calls the kingdom of God and the children of God light and spiritual light. It says we're supposed to walk in the light, not in the darkness. What would happen if you all come walking in with your super dark sunglasses on this morning, come into the church? And because it's so bright out there, you need the sunglasses, but in here you don't need it. You walked in here, and you started fumbling around. Why don't they turn the lights on in here? Somebody turn the lights on. We can't see. Turn the lights on. Well, take the sunglasses off so you can see the light is on. In the spiritual arena, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul said he's praying that the eyes would be open to see. And so your eyes have to be open to see that God wants to reward you, not because of what you've earned, not because of how good you think you are, or my family's got a good education, so we have, we have a right to be rewarded, man. We went, we went to school. Well, the one born on the other side of the tracks that was born again is equal with you that was born on this side of the tracks. Unless you're not born again, then they're ahead of you. But when you're born again, you're born again to win. When you're born again, 
you have a right to be blessed, a right to be rewarded. And we want to see that according to the word of God. And so that's, we want your eyes open today. So when you go to pray it, you can hold your chest out, not in natural pride, but as a child of God. Father, I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus. And I want to thank you, sir, that your word says, because of what Jesus did. And Lord, I know in this natural world, I could be a loser. In this natural world, my family probably wasn't the best family, but Lord, I want to thank you that I've been born again. You're my Father. Jesus, you're my Lord. Because of what you've done, Lord, I want to thank you. I want to honor what you've done. And Lord, I want to drive better to give you glory. Lord, I want to live in a better house to give you glory. Lord, I want to have nicer clothes for my kids to give you glory. I want people to look at my family and say, wow, this is not the same people it used to be. Something's changed in this home. Amen. Amen. And so get this. Get this. Let your thinking be changed. I know that, uh, man, I, I hate to wrap myself out all the time when I'm preaching. Oh, I hate to. Uh, I never realized what a spirit of poverty I carried all my life for probably about three years ago. Once I had uh, my kids start helping lead the church and do some things, all of a sudden I realized that I wasn't raised in the Great Depression, but my mom and dad were. And I heard the poverty from the Great Depression through my grandpas and grandmas, through my parents, and through people that generation. I was born in 1951, and those people were still coming out of the Depression. Some of them never came out. Had lots of money, but they never came out. Never could buy anything new. Always had to make things keep working and working and working and working. Gray tape at Belling Wire was our biggest commodity. You know, tape it up, wire it up, make it work. Uh, watch the dumpsters to see if anybody's throwing throw away anything good. And your eyes are always scanning when you drive down the road, see if you can find something you can use like that. It took me a lot of years to get that thinking off of me that I come to find out that God wanted me to have new. That God wanted me to pay cash for stuff. That I wasn't the one that had to all the time be trying to fix up somebody's junk. I'd give them my junk and let them try to fix it up. And even give good stuff away. And so what I'm saying is this. I said that for your benefit. God wants to elevate your thinking today. God wants you to see today you don't have to get your kids Christmas presents out of dumpsters like a preacher I know from the used to do. You don't have to try to pray for car parts on the side of the road like a preacher from Indiana used to do and try to find stuff like that all the time. I've come to find out when I quit thinking that way, God started to bless me with new stuff. He started getting me better stuff. And I started to find a way I could actually give away my old stuff and benefit somebody else that hadn't arrived yet to think higher. And so today, I'm talking to you. God wants to reward you. God doesn't want you poor anymore. God doesn't want you poor thinking anymore. We're not living in the Great Depression days. We're living in the abundance days of the kingdom of God. Amen. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. And the Bible says we're strangers and foreigners passing through this strange place called earth. 
says we're temporary residents of earth. Philippians 4.19 said, I'll supply all your need according to who's in the presidential office. He said, according to his riches and glory. And so whether we got a Trump or an Obama or a Clinton or a Bush or a Reagan, that makes no difference in the kingdom of God. We got a Jesus on the throne. At the right hand of God, we got to see through the eyes of the Word of God. God said, you be faithful, you bring tithes to me. He said, I open the windows of heaven. Pour out blessings upon you, not move up to receive it. He said, I rebuke the devourer for you. We've got to see that and believe that. You know what? If the people of the kingdom of God saw that God said, you tithe, I hope the widows of heaven, we'd have 100% tithers of the body of Christ. I'll tell you what, these political parties brag about they can raise a million and a half dollars in one day. In the kingdom of God, we'd have a million and a half dollars a second coming in if Christians started tithing because they believe the Bible. Oh, wow. I'll tell you what, there wouldn't be a junk church in America. In the world, if Christians believe what God said, that He'd bless them. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. I want to say that again. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. That was a clue. That's, that means shout. <laughs> okay. Now, Gen- uh, Galatians 3, 7. Now look at this. God told Abraham, the law first mentioned, He told Abraham that I'm your exceeding great reward. He said, I'm the one that you're shield and you're exceeding great reward. Verse 7, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith. How many people here are faith people? Amen. Remember faith, a major Bible doctrine? He says, They that are of faith the same are the children of who? Abraham. Abraham. What did, what did, what did he tell our father Abraham? He said, I'm your reward. I'm your compensation. Verse 8, and the scriptures foresee that God would justify the heathen through what? Faith, a major Bible doctrine. Priest before the gospel, he preached the gospel to Abraham, saying to thee, shall all nations be blessed. Guess what? All nations are people groups. And so it doesn't make any difference if you're a black person, a Hispanic person, a Native American person, an Asian person, Caucasian, whatever you are. God says, through Abraham, you'll be blessed. And by the way, the law first mentioned the word blessed in the book of Genesis means empowered to prosper. God says that if you're a child of Abraham, you're empowered to prosper. Amen. And so then, verse 9, so that they, which be of what? Major doctrine of the Bible. Be of faith, are what? Blessed, empowered to prosper, with faithful Abraham. I used to have, there used to be back in Indianapolis, the Jewish delicatessen I love to eat at. I've always, since I've been a Christian, I don't remember what it was before I was a Christian, but since I've been a Christian, I've been a people watcher. And so this restaurant, it was a Jewish, Jewish delicatessen right on the borderline of downtown Indianapolis, and right before that there was a ghetto area. So they had street people stuff there. But we also had multimillionaires ate there because it was a Jewish place and they ate there. And so the, you had, I, I could come to that place there and I'd see beggars begging for stuff. And I've actually sat there, I, I, I was a federal judge in there before. I've had a lot of rich lawyers and doctors there. People I ate with, I knew that I went to church with at different times. See those people there. But one day when I was driving my truck, I stopped there for lunch 
And the place was called Shapiro's. And I, I, knew, I, knew, I knew Mr. Shapiro, the guy that inherited it from his dad, and then he died, passed it on to his nephew. And uh, I was sitting there, and this young guy, probably about, man, I bet you he wasn't 30 years old, he just inherited this multi-million dollar business because they had other restaurants around. But this guy, I knew he'd inherited it. I didn't even know his name yet. I was sitting there, and I always carried a pocket New Testament. When I was eating my lunch. I'd read this while I was eating like that. I had a half hour to eat. But I always wanted to, man doesn't live off bread alone, but every word of God. So I'd feed myself the word while I was eating my food. I sat there. I just happened to look at Galatians 6, 9. It says, they which be of faith are blessed faith faithful Abraham. And so I, I looked up. I saw that guy there. All of a sudden, right in the middle of my meal, God talked to me. He said, you know what young Mr. Shapiro did to inherit this place? And I said, no, what? He said he was born in the right family. They you know what he said to me? He said, you're born in the right family. You're Abraham's seed. You know what you did to inherit these things? You didn't do anything. You were born into the right family. Isn't it a strange thing that God chose to send his son as a Jew? He wants to use them as example to us. And I think about what Jesus talked about. I always see, I always see two different groups. He always talks about, he was talking to Jewish people, but he always said, you'll be persecuted, but you'll be blessed. He said, for my name's sake. Christians and Jews today, if you haven't noticed, are the most persecuted peoples in the world. Christians and Jews. Jesus said so. Why is that? Because there's a spiritual warfare going on, and we're connected with God, the creator of everything. And God wants to bless Christians and Jews. Above all else, God wants to bless us. That's where the biggest fight comes in at because the blessing of God belongs to us because we belong to Him. Are you getting anything yet? Amen. And so look at verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Be made a curse for us, for it is written, Curses everyone that hangeth on a tree. Let me tell you something. Don't you ever say again Murphy's Law in your life. What's Murphy's Law? Well, this generation might not know it. But when I was growing up, Murphy's Law was talked about a lot. If anything can go wrong, it will. If anything can break, it will. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Everything I touch turns to dumb. Nothing I do comes out right. Everything's wrong. I'm so poor, I couldn't even raise an umbrella. Well, I'll tell you what, poor this, poor that, goes wrong, bad, bad, won't work, can't fight it, but it's broke, won't do it, etc., etc. That's called curse. Christ redeemed us from the curse. Christ redeemed us from the curse. I've done a lot of work with Joe Mumford lately on things. We've worked a lot on car, tractors, stuff like that. And I cannot tell you how many times there's been parts of things that say don't make anymore. All we have to do is punch Amazon, got one left. Go on eBay, we got one left. Why is that? John fourteen fourteen. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And let me give you a clue about John fourteen fourteen. I hope, so. I hope somebody's writing these verses down, man. You guys get a lot of nuggets. You may not even know it. John 14, 14 in the Greek literally says, if you ask anything in my name, if I haven't got it, I will make it. If I haven't got it, I will make it. And so, so many times when I need something, I say, Father, I just want to thank you in the name of Jesus.
That wherever we have to get it at, you're going to show us. And if they haven't got it, you'll make it. And we get those parts all the time. And so I want to tell you this. Death and the life's in the power of your tongue. Quit saying you'll never find it. Quit saying you can't buy it. Quit saying it's going to break. Whatever it is, whatever it is, you're redeemed from the curse. God's the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That the blessing of Abraham. Go back to Genesis read the blessing of Abraham. Everything that he touched prospered. Everything that he did, God increased. Everybody associated with him got blessed. That's how it's supposed to be in our lives. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of Spirit through faith. Now, verse 29, have you got your shouting clothes on? Verse 29, and if you be Christ, is anybody here belong to Christ? Well, if you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. You're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, the law first mentioned, Genesis 15, 1, he said, I am your compensation. I am your reward. And so, we're not Abraham's physical seed. I don't think there's anybody here that's Jewish by birth, so we're not his physical seed. But most importantly, but by being born again, we're Abraham's spiritual seed. We are Abraham's spiritual seed. We're his faith seed. So if you're a born again believer that gives God tithes of all, you faithfully serve him, you love people, you do your best to say no to sin, and yes to living right according to the Bible, not political correctness. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of things that are politically correct and popular, but they're not biblically right live according to the Bible standards, then you can expect God to compensate you in this life. You can expect God to compensate you. Now, I just want to look at three quick things here. I just wrote these down because they're part of the reward for being Abraham's seed, the part of the reward for belonging to God. Psalms 5, verse 12. Psalms 5, verse 12. You know, it, 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 it's something about spiritual things. You always remember the first time, but I do, the first time that God made something real to me. I remember I was listening to Marilyn Hickey. We didn't have, anybody know who Marilyn Hickey was? She was one of my Bible school teachers. I was listening to Marilyn Hickey back in about 1980, 81. I was working in the, the truck driving yard where I worked at, hooking and unhooking trailers for the road. And I had Marilyn Hickey playing on truck radio real loud so I could hear her while I was working around the parking lot. And she taught this verse. This verse immediately become revelation to me, and I've lived off this verse for all these years. This is the reward from God for faithful believers. It says, For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. With favor will they surround him as with a shield. God's favor is his reward for living right. God's favor. Now, if you don't understand what that is, I'll say it real simple. Let's just say, well, let, let, let's just say, for example, I need some kind of favor with some people in the Navajo Nation. Well, I, 
I, I wouldn't come to Raul. I wouldn't come to Dave. I said, well, you know what? I know somebody that knows the in and outs over there. And I would say this. I say, Christine, could you do me a favor with the Navajo people? Well, you know what? I talked to the right person. She could do me a favor with that group of people. And then if I need favor at the Marine base, we have a lot of good people here that are in some really influential places of the Marine base. I, 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 would, I would say, Connie, can you do me a favor? And she'd be able to do something about the Marine base to pull some strings for us. Or out at the college. I said, Rosalinda, could you do me a favor? I come to the right person that knows people in high places, those organizations, do me a favor. God said, I'll surround you with my favor. You know what God does? I've seen it in this church so many times the last few years. There's people that because of their past, their backgrounds, the things of their past, things that weren't pleasant in their past, they've got jobs around the people that thought they knew somebody. But we know somebody in high places. Now listen, God said, I'm the rewarder. He said, I'm your compensation. God said, I'll do things for you that nobody can buy. God says, I will surround you with my favor. And so we come to the Father in the name of Jesus. We come to him not as con people. Now, as God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. Don't ever pull that on him. Because you do that bad, you've shut it off. Amen. You come to him with a pure heart, simply being because you love him. And Father, I just want to tell you, I love you. And by the way, Jesus said, you show me your love by your works. In John chapter 15, he said, if you love me, you obey me. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so you demonstrate your love not by words so much as by actions. So you come to him, Father, I just want to talk to you. You know, Lord, I'd really like to have that job out there. Father, my family's grown. And I've seen this in so many families in the church. My family's grown. We need a better house. We need a bigger house. Lord, you know this neighborhood is not what it could be. I want to change the neighborhood. But Lord, for the safety of my kids, we need to be making a move. My kids need to be able to play in the yard. We need to be able to come home at nighttime and not be afraid to walk in the house. Lord, we need to have a better place in a better neighborhood. Father, I just want to tell you, I, I, I do love you, sir. I just ask you, Lord, would you do me a favor and show me where that house is that we can pay for? Lord, for that job, Father, these jobs opened up out at the base. This is opened up over at the, over, over, over at the fort. Father, I ask you the name of Jesus. He said, I reward those with favor that doesn't seek this. You know what God does? He sends an angel up there to the base. The angel sees that computer. And you know what? You think some of you guys are sharper computers. When God's angel touches that computer, it does things you can't even make it do. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, this person out there that never looks at these things, this person in high places happens to walk past, and all of a sudden, your name's on the screen right there. But wait a minute. Is that that girl that I know from Walmart? 
Or, that's that man I met over at Home Depot. He's so nice to me. What is this about? Hey, whatever you got to do, get this person on. And next thing you know, these people that don't serve God and don't know God, that thought they had it all made, bragged about what they had, all of a sudden they went to the back of the list. And you're in there. They're trying to figure out what happened. And by the time they wake up in the middle of next week, and you've already clocked in, you got it, then all you can say, well, I don't know what happened. I just served Jesus. And Jesus told me if I ask anything his name, he'll do it. That's the favor of God. That's the favor of God. Look at Psalms 91. Just look at just, just, just about three places here to show you what that means. I'm a rewarder of those that diligently seek me. Psalms 91, verse 14 through 16. Now, I'm going to read this how I read it when I meditate in this. And you can put your name in here if you want to when you read it. Because Bernie has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver Bernie. I will set Bernie on high because Bernie has known my name. Bernie shall call upon me and I will answer Bernie. I will be with Bernie in trouble. I will deliver Bernie. I will honor Bernie. With long life will I satisfy Bernie and show him my salvation. A long, satisfied life is God's reward for living right. For your life, you need to get that. You need to speak that. You need to believe that. God said His reward is a long, satisfied life. If I had heart disease and blood cancer, I would not want to live long and live strong. I don't have heart disease. I don't have blood cancer. This time last year, those things were in my body. This time this year, doctors say, totally healed. Amen. You know what that's called? That's called satisfied life. Going to get long, going to live long, going to live strong. Proverbs 10, 22. And don't let these just be words that's in a sermon. Let these be words that become part of your thinking. In your heart and in your thinking. Does anybody ever see this? I don't want to say goofy spell check, but it is goofy spell check sometimes. Man, sit out some of these texts and all of a sudden it says something totally wrong from what you said. And then you try to pull it back. And if it's somebody you know, it's easy to explain. But if it's somebody you don't know, it's embarrassing. You need to have spell check, Bible check on your brain. If poor tries to come into your head, come out of your mouth, you just stop and correct it. My God supplies all of my needs. If it tries to come into your, your, your head, sick, not going to make it, don't know what we're going to do, you need to have Bible check come into your head, correct that real quick. He took my infirmities, bear my sicknesses. Lay hands on sick, I shall recover. I'm getting better every day. You need to have this working in your life. If it comes into your thing, Nobody in my life's ever lived past 65 years old. Nobody has. I've got up on 65. I'm living on borrowed time. You need to get that thing changed with long life. With long life. I'm only 70 years old. That's not long yet. Well, I'm only 75 years old. That's not long yet. However old you are, it's not long yet. 
kind of, kind of compare yourself to somebody like Moses. Abraham. Some of the guys in the Bible lived a long time because that's part of you, so you need to change your thinking. Start talking different. Long life. Proverbs 10.22 The blessing of the Lord, that's the apartment to, be, to prosper, of the Lord, it makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. No sorrow with it. You don't have to lose your family because of working so many hours that you don't have them, but you have stuff. And then give the stuff to the next one that moves into your house then. You don't want that. It says adds no sorrow with it. Financial and material prosperity is God's reward for living right. Financial and material prosperity is God's reward for living right. And in the Bible, rich doesn't necessarily mean a millionaire. It means you always have a full supply and abundant provision. You always have more than enough. A full supply and abundant provision. So we close by just talking about Hebrews 11.6 again. Hebrews 11.6 But without faith it is impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. He's rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Read this verse and meditate in it frequently until you actually believe it in your heart and expect good things from God to happen in your life every day. Expect good things from God to happen in your life every day. Every day. Well, let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.